And we're back with another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 238, aka season 3, episode 58, coming at you this week. As always, I'm your host, Mr. Rich E. Rich, along with MC and Ken Schooland. Welcome back, Ken. Uh, we talked briefly in the pre-show, and I said, it's official now. Uh, you're the third person on the show. Uh, I'm going to be disappointed <laughs> if I don't hear your voice uh, each week. Uh, and then you said, my wife's coming home, and I don't know what I'm going to do now. So it's glad to have you on on here as a hobby uh, when the wife's out of town. And maybe I said, invite her on the show, too, because we all love Lee. Uh, that being said, Thank it's you. still a call-in show. So those numbers for you to dial are 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. That's 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. So MC, you wanted to start off with some important news, I guess, on a personal note? Uh, Well, the news is I I have a green screen. It's taking up my entire kitchen. Um, I have lights and cameras and uh we're just missing the action you know so uh, um so the so anarchist experience the, is going video maybe no well, not the anarchist experience i think uh it, this is going to be something separate okay uh, i just want to i, I want to produce something that is uh short and professional and then uh and and then you know keep doing it and just uh, make Im- improvements and so nice um, for the record, for the but, record, though, if you wanted to use the branding, all good, because oh, sure. I, I've had the YouTube channel verified since probably like the early aught episodes of the Anarchist Experience as an audio podcast. Right so on. we can we can post video content to YouTube, and I've already got all that squared away. We just haven't because we we do an audio show. <laughs> but yeah, so video ideas. Uh, uh, what are we gonna do? Like what? What's that little girl's name that you like so much? You know oh, what I mean? Uh, Soph. Soph. Yes. Is that is that the yeah. direction? Well, so, uh, kind of. That that. So Soph is an uh, edge lord. So she's she does things to be pr- provocative. I I would li- I would like to be more uh, educational, uh, more um, uh, uh, well, informative. Thought provoking is good, but not uh, just. You know, ex- not so extreme. Uh, okay, <laughs> but uh, um, yeah. So, so basically, some some type of you know positive message uh, that that it, that is really good that you know most people don't hear every day. So it's it's like like the Kings dominates, versus Hayek battle rap, something. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> what what dominates most people's like thinking is usually uh, left right politics, and you know. Trump versus the world or whatever and you're trying to figure out uh, what these authoritarians are thinking all the time and I'd like to reverse that and get people thinking about what they're doing with their lives and taking personal res- responsibility and and uh, and thinking how well you know how having a little bit more freedom well actually I think I think people actually have more freedom than they actually realize Okay. Um, just like you know, I mean, even with you, and like, oh, you can actually drive without a license. Of course, yes. you might get pulled over and hassled and all that stuff. But my, the point is, is there's things that people don't realize how much uh, freedom uh, they do have. Uh, there, so. there are risks that come with uh, using your freedom for for leveraging that in a lot of ways. 
Sure. You can do a lot more than what they tell you you can do. Um, it's just, you know, not getting caught, right? Um, be- before marijuana was legal, right, people still bought and sold it. And it was a freedom right. to buy and sell it. It was just, you know, there was a risk that went along with the, the trade of the banned substance. Right, alcohol prohibition the same way. You could still get alcohol. Uh, it's a little bit more risky to do it. So a lot of the things they tell you you can't do, uh, you can actually do. Right, and you know, for a while it was it was my goal to like demonstrate that as often as possible. Yeah. Right, to as many as possible, and, even if that was a small number of people. And I'm not talking about just things that that might be prohibited by the government, uh, but but just anything really. Uh, so for for example. Uh, People will say, "Oh well, uh, you know, we need we need to uh, feed the poor." Uh, well, you don't have to get regulation passed to do that. Well, in some areas you do, but <laughs> yes, <laughs> they actually imprison people that that are feeding the poor. But well, um, but even yeah, that, for, the for priest the, that got arrested for feeding the poor still went out and did it, right? Right, like, exactly. He did it, exactly. even though it was prohibited. Right, and but in, in most places, um, you can you can do lots of things without. Uh, asking the government to do it for you, and I would I would expand that even to uh, international politics too. Like uh, uh, th- there was recently a, a donation set up for uh, people in Turkey and Syria. I guess the the Kurds uh, or something like that. Yeah. So anyway, um, it, it's not just a donation that's possible, but uh, you know people putting their own boots on the ground, uh, doing something about it if it's that important to them. Yes. Uh, and a lot of times much... it's the government getting out of the way of that, right? Not not regulating it, but just deregulating their restriction on it. Sure. sure. I'd like to think of uh, wealth as being really a measure of the choices you have, not not necessarily amount of money you have or the things that you have, but the choices that you have in life. And we have... Uh, an extraordinary amount of choices in everything we want to do uh, uh, because we, I mean, think of what the wealth that we have compared to the richest king 100 years ago or 200 years ago or queen in in that um, we can go anywhere in the planet. Uh, we can uh, do so many uh, things. Uh, even technology has advanced, all that sort of thing. Um so a lot of those things are possible. And then, of course, every government regulation and control is is by definition then a reduction of our wealth because it's taking away those choices. Um, and one of those choices you mentioned about helping the Kurds, for example, I think there is a law that says that if, you, if the government identifies them as rebels against their country, then you're advancing terrorism and it's illegal to do. And only the government itself allows itself the option uh, the option of assisting some rebel group uh, but yes. if you do then you could be in trouble they get to pick and choose the the opposition as, as well as who's in power that's right which is an irony again all the american signers of the declaration of independence were all rebels none of them would probably be allowed into the country today under the current rules and regulations because um, they fought against uh, king george iii they signed a declaration of uh, rebellion and uh, you know vigorously and actively fought against them it's uh, uh, quite a twist of uh, an ironic and tragic twist of fate that the American Revolution has turned on its head so much absolutely so what do we so what can we do 
with that wealth then? Is the goal just to be as wealthy as possible so that we avail ourselves to more opportunity and more freedoms? Should, should freedoms be and your choices be based on wealth? No, not at all. I think that um, it's quite satisfactory for someone who wants to l- limit their exercise of choice. It's the choices that are available to you that is your wealth. But how you exercise them is just a matter of your personal choice. You know, if you decide to sit home and read a book instead of um, exploring the world and and uh, uh, providing assistance to needy people, I mean, they're very different things in scope, but they're just a matter of, of personal choice. Could that personal choice... I'm going to bring this up real quick. We, we covered it before in the past. The, the, the minimum wage fiasco uh, that's going on right now in the fight for 15. Um, in a lot of places, you know, what the, what the economists said, right, the, the, of the Austrian variety, was that uh, you'll, you'll see less employment uh, when the wages go up, right? People, you know, those who keep their jobs uh, will reap the benefits, but most people will, will be unemployed. Um, and one of the, I want to say... Um, lesser known results of what they did find out was that the people who made more uh, didn't net any more money. They netted more leisure time, like whatever their wage was at, you know, nine, 10 bucks an hour. um, Once they got to that wage level at 15 bucks an hour, they just, they didn't get any more hours. Like they, they chose to, to spend more leisure time. So is that one way to spend that wealth as well is just, you know, choosing, choosing to not earn more than a certain level. Is that, it's the right point yes, to bring in that discussion. It depends on the kind of work you're doing, whether it's something that fascinates you and you want to do more, or whether it's uh, work you're doing just for the income and you desire to work so that you can have the leisure time. But my biggest beef with the minimum wage is the fact that the <laughs> it the reason that people aren't satisfied with the minimum wage they had 30 or 40 years ago is because of inflation. And it's the government that creates the inflation. And on the one hand is the demon then because it's it it every time, every every day of the of the year, there's inflation and it's eroding the purchasing power of the of the worker's wage. So they're taking money away from the from the worker every minute of the day and then come along as if they're the hero to raise it back up to what it was in terms of purchasing power. Right. Um, and so, some of the statistics I've seen for purchasing power when they do it uh, shows that the, the the purchasing power of, you know, the minimum wage then versus now means that minimum wage should be close to twenty five, twenty to twenty five dollars now to get the same purchasing power. So it's even higher than their their fight for 15. Uh, but again, I, I, I would point out and you probably agree, Ken, that they, they put the onus on the wrong institution. Right, the the purchasing power and the wage wouldn't be an issue if the government got out of the way, but they expect the government to mandate you know fifteen, twenty, twenty five dollars an hour minimum wage to get that purchasing power, which was lost because of government intervention in the first place. Yeah, precisely. Imagine if in nineteen thirty three, you earned let's say um, twenty dollars a day, okay, which was an ounce of gold. Okay. And today, suppose you were earning an ounce of gold a day. Uh, you would feel pretty wealthy. You'd feel, well, $1,300, that, that's pretty good. The gold yeah, yeah, has changed Hell yeah. in value. The, the purchasing power of the dollar has. So that, uh, you know, the, what happens when you have a stable 
uh, currency is that wages are constantly going up because of deflation, of the decline in the in the price of everything relative to your income. So you're over time, let's say throughout the 19th century, when we were on a gold standard, um, we had actually rising wages all the time. You didn't have to go out and ask for a wage because your your dollar was earning more tomorrow than than it was today, and your savings could purchase more. So you didn't have to have a government uh, stepping in to rescue you for your retirement with Social Security because your the money you put aside was actually paying for your retirement and for your medical expenses and your uh, children's education in your house because savings meant something. Now, the Keynesian idea is to completely uh, reverse that. Spend, savings is nothing to the Keynesian. Only spending matters. And if it doesn't matter if it's digging a ditch and filling it up again, spend, spend, spend. That's all that matters. When in fact, we know that savings is the crucial thing for capital growth and investment. And the countries that have saved the most uh, always grew the most. So here's here's the difficult uh, situation then, right? We know that. We can explain that. But you have a, I'm going to say, significantly dumbed down population, right, that d- doesn't understand the economics of it. And part of me says, well, so what, now what could be their thinking, right? Like, so, okay, so we know that you know that it, it's the inflation caused uh you know real real wages and real value uh purchasing power to go down but that's neither here nor there we're in a situation now where i don't have the same purchasing power as i did in the 1930s uh they're going to look to the government to fix that right how how do you convince them not to and is it a good idea to not look toward the government to fix it can you really count on uh can you really count on employers and and corporations and companies to make up the purchasing power when it's constantly destroyed by the government? And how do they get the people to to tell the government, no, 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 we don't want you to raise the wage. We want you to to revalue uh, the the purchasing power that we're already getting. How do you go about doing that? And isn't that a challenge? That's the big challenge. And that's what Matthew, I think, was getting at how best to approach this whole idea of, of a persuasive statement that recognizes and gets around um, the, demagogu- the demagoguery and the, uh, the indoctrination that uh, so uh, shades everybody's thinking about these things. So MC, how do we do that with this new video service that we're working on? Like what's, you know, so we, we get a video going and it's like, it's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. Uh, it explains it perfectly, gets people rallying on our side, maybe, uh, but how do they act? What's the, what's step two once they understand what's going on? Um, I, I really don't know. <laughs> I really, I just, I just want to produce something that I can say that I'm proud of. And it's more like, a, a art to me, uh, in the same way that the, the philosophy of Liberty, uh, uh flash animation, on YouTube uh, was really important to my life. So um, Same here. I kind of Brilliant. want to, I want to, uh, you know, I, I'm not saying uh, eclipse that, but just add to it. Um, put, uh, so, so that the flash animation was obviously graphics. Um, so I'd rather put, put a face on it. And, uh, uh, and uh, you know, I, I think, 
you can't have too much um, pro-liberty messages. And I think obviously we, we get crowded out because of all the, the drama that uh, uh, Trumpism or, or Obama or whoever is, you know, in power as all the drama they're creating. So, um, yeah, you I'd say like we to... get cro- you say we get crowded out by that, but I, you know, I've heard a number of times, right? What what another pro liberty podcast, right? You're doing what? There's going to be another. Don't we have <laughs> enough pro liberty podcasts out there? Can we just promote the ones that are popular and you know get, you know, so is is there not well, saturation I mean, in that marketplace? Th- there's there's truth to that, um, but but like I said, I'm not necessarily wanting to create another podcast and that's that's the point of the the green screen and in, in the video is to, as i want to create something that is uh you know professional and uh uh more like um i don't know how, how to say this um share worthy i guess okay Some something that that um well basically um it, it, it's it's good to have an alternative, and if if uh, for for example, we could we could do one video just about you know you know why why uh, choose to be libertarian versus uh, a Democrat or Republican. Um, there's pr- probably the majority of the population doesn't still doesn't know what a libertarian is or has even considered it. And okay. So it'd be good to have something to you know. Send them a, a, a modern, you know, updated video and say, "Oh, okay, here's here's an alternative. You know, does this sound good to, to you or not?" Um, okay. And yeah. for me, for a while, that was Stefan Molyneux, right? He, he you sure. know, and he didn't need the green screen with fancy graphics or you know, I mean, I'm, he had his background, but it's usually it was usually just you know a background and a head and a dude with headphones on talking. Right. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't, you know, again, low quality production, um, but I would say for a lot of people, highly effective at getting the message across. Um, I think too many people became acolytes of his in a way. And then he kind of went off the deep end. So we, you know, we lost another uh, liberty hero in that respects. Uh, But yeah, so just what are, what, what could you compare it to then? Are you, you're talking like nightly newscast? Oh no no! I'm, I'm saying video. just just making uh, basically a couple, not even a couple. We don't know yet, but start okay. with one. Uh, so one one video that is more explanation and um, something that has a, a good positive message and uh, something that is uh, enticing to to people. To, so to like the the advanced level class of the introduction to liberty, then based sort of. Like, yeah, you, maybe you know, I don't I don't really know what. Yet. Okay, I mean we're we're spitballing a little bit because you said you wanted to to get some yeah, brain, some brainstorm. yeah brainstorm on it. <laughs> so I don't you know I'm trying to throw stuff out of like how I would picture what I would envision it being and you know just bouncing that off you. Um, yeah. Any ideas so, from you, Ken? Well, like what kind of video would you like to see? Well, I'm trying to imagine this image of a spitball bouncing off. Of ideas. <laughs> pong. That's what pong is. Okay. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I really like. The idea that Matthew's saying about uh, that it um, is something that is catchy and would go viral, you know, as they say, because um, who knows what it is that that really clicks with with um, 
and it's probably a different a different thing for every different audience that we're after. Yeah. Uh, but if but like oh, I really also like the point that he said that it's sort of like a form of art. You know, why is it that artists do what they do? Well, it because it clicks with them, and they're pleased if other people appreciate it and and uh, and like it and and share the word. But it it was a matter of their own personal art anyway. I mean, even if nobody else appreciated it, uh, they're really satisfied that it made a point. I made a statement. That is true. Even this, I can, I already consider this podcast to be an art form. Um, especially when dealing with the commies online who tell me to like, shut up and you just gotta stop doing that. I go, dude, if we get to and commie stand, right, this is going to be my art form and I'm going to do this professionally. However many hours a week I decide, and you're going to have to feed me anyway. Because that's, that's what you want, right? You want everyone to do their art and everyone gets fed. So this is my art. Now fucking feed me, you know, if that's what you really want. Doesn't have to have value. Just I just have to do it for a long period of time and I get bread. So yeah, any, I support any type of art, right? Like what's, you know, I'm, I'm not a good painter. You know, I'm not a good artist in that, in that respect. Um, you know, my, my art form at one time was poetry. I still do that, you know, every once in a while, but this too, you know, podcasting, uh, media production, you know, in general, like who's to, who's to tell you it's not an art form. Um, and you know, does it have to be popular for it to be? No, no. Starving, starving artist is a term for a reason, right? They, they do it, you know, with a lot of, with a little recognition and little pay for a long period of time, um, and hopefully get a breakthrough. That breakthrough is kind of crucial. What is it that makes a breakthrough? It's often... The fact that it it clicked with one person, and then there's a sort of uh, uh, self perpetuating enthusiasm that people pick up on it because it's cool. I mean, I suppose yeah. that's how Banksy started as a as a graffiti artist on the streets because somebody said, "Hey, well, that was really cool," and and just saying that to other people, then it became sort of a contagion, and people picked up on it. And the yeah. same thing can happen with this. I'm going to say uh, the, the term that I'm going to coin real quick is resonation and reverberation, right? Like someone has to see oh, yeah. it. It has to resonate within them. And then they have to send out that vibration to everyone else that they know to see how many other people it, it, it resonates with. Uh, but, but I don't, I also don't like the idea of chasing uh, virality, the, the viralness of videos right. or any media production. Cause it seems, it seems like, that should the 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 viralness of your production should be a result of the quality and value of that production right if it's if it's good quality and it adds value then uh, going viral results right you know the p- people pick up on it uh, because they value it and too many too many times people or, are like trying to chase a formula for, to go viral mc or be or because it's shocking so <laughs> But even that—that's—that's a—that's a value of entertainment, it is. right? Yeah. It sure is shock value. That's what it's called. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even even now, right? Like you know, we'll, we'll go jump to Facebook for a second. I, I can't help myself when they cover up whatever the image they're trying to say. Like, oh, we've deemed this to be you know to to, to be in bad taste or objectionable content. Click the button to see what's hidden underneath. And you better believe I'm gonna click that button every time. Right, you don't need to hide it from me. I, I wish I could turn that feature off, but at the same time, I probably focus more on objectionable content because of that. Because all of a sudden, I have to take the time to click the button, so I'm even more intrigued than I would be if I was, you know, simply scrolling by. Uh, 
but yeah, you know, if it's shock, shock value, shock content, it works. Uh, we talked about self at the beginning. Uh, if, if it works right, then why not incorporate that a little bit? You know, if there, if there's a formula for success, you don't have to reinvent it. You just follow the formula at the same time. If that, if that level of success or that formula isn't in alignment uh, with what your goals are as far as this production, well, then maybe not. Maybe, you know, maybe this is the, the you know, uh, hundreds of views, uh, but the best produced, uh, highest quality, uh, lowest viewed video on the ideas of freedom and liberty. Uh, but that wasn't the goal, right? The, the goal wasn't to get it into the, uh, into the eyes and views of millions upon millions of people who can do something about it. It was, it was there. You know, to, to be what it is, to get to as many eyes as it could, and however many that is, so be it. Well, do you want to change the world, or do you want to observe the world? I mean, uh, is, that are, a, is that a rhetorical yeah, question? <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, uh, I, mean I, I see the uh, uh, contrasting views. I mean, on the one hand, it... It's an art form to just express it, to be able to express it. Um, but then, on the other hand, is there a purpose behind it that you want to that you're doing it because you're just observing the, the sort of the craziness of the world, or or do you want to change and shape the craziness of the world? Um, personally, I have no desire to change and shape the craziness of the world as it is. Uh, I just want to carve my own little path of freedom into it, right? Like I've, I've given up on the idea that I'm going to, I'm going to be the catalyst that implores billions of people to turn toward freedom so that, so that I may be free with, without risk or consequence. Um, again, I just go like, well, you know, there's the law. It, I object to the law. I break the law and so be it. Right. That's, that's, that's my, that's my purpose, if you will. Uh, you know, other people, they go like, well, what's the most effective way to change the law? Well, you got to elect and vote and do all the, you know, all the other stuff. And I go, well, I don't, I don't really care. You know, I don't, I don't really, you, you can do all that if it eases your mind. Uh, but what eases my mind is just acting in a manner consistent with a free person. Yeah, that's, uh, that's good. I think there were people who, who were actually able to be quite, uh, effective at combining those. I think, for example, uh, Mahatma Gandhi was a guy who exercised civil disobedience, um, but he also turned it into a, uh, uh, a popular movement. There were probably lots and lots of others who did the same thing, who did similar things that he did, except that um, it was confined to just their own individual actions. And interestingly, right. he was able to, to promote ideas. But, you know, there's another great thing about what you're doing. Um, Henry David Thoreau wrote about these things, pretty much carrying out his own behavior, um, and he had the impact on others after him. You know, on Martin Luther King, on Tolstoy, on uh, um, uh, Gandhi, and others. Uh, and the same thing with you. The, the kinds of things you're doing, it's generating ideas and putting thoughts together that that may have uh, an impact down the road. You just don't necessarily insist that it be a short road it could be a very long road yeah i hope i hope that's the case right but at the same time you know if if i do something as a free person that's currently prohibited right and then they pass a law and everyone jumps for joy right i go like well good you guys have finally caught up right you know 
congratulations. Now you can now you can do the things that I've already been doing, you know, free of consequence and 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 risk. Um, but at the same time, it could always have been done, right? So so thank you, I guess, for for making this you know easier on me. But I I I do it anyway. Uh, one of the examples that I can bring up, uh, you know, that you might you were you may have been part of this MC. Uh, we were uh, back in 2017, right? It was you know it was it was the the hype, the height of Bitcoin and cryptos and all these other altcoins that were just skyrocketing to the moon. It seemed, uh, and I got with uh, our other co-host M and uh, sometimes caller uh, Cosmo. And I said, you know, this would be a good opportunity, you know, with with the with the price where it's at and how much we've accumulated, to invest uh, in a Bitcoin ATM for Hawaii, right? Because Hawaii uh, was the like, one of one of like two states to be completely restricted as far as getting on uh, the more the more usable useful and useful exchanges, usable and useful exchanges to to trade crypto, right? I said, well. We can get an ATM, and then there's only like one other one on the island. This could be a niche, right? We we could we could own this niche for people who are looking to buy crypto in Hawaii uh, because they can't get on the exchanges, and there's not a lot of there's not a lot of sellers uh, doing it locally, right? I mean, we could be we could be that niche, uh, and I talked it over with these two people, and the 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 first question was, is it legal? I go, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Probably not, but you know what? There's no one to stop us yet. It's it's this gray area uh, that we can make a ton of money, right? Uh, as at that point, you know, and pr- we still probably could have, you know, still probably can. It's not hasn't gone away, uh, but at the time, it's like it's a gray area. We can make a ton of money before anyone ever thinks about checking in on us, right? Before it ever crosses an IRS a low level IRS guy's desk before the financial department of, you know, HPD, uh, you know, figures it out. Right. It's like we, we put one up and there it is. And then we just roll with it, you know? And, you know, the, uh, M in particular was looking at the, you know, the legalities and well, what does it take to become a money transmitter? Cause that's what everyone was getting busted for was illegal money transmitting. I go, why are you doing that? You know, you're missing the opportunity. They're not going to give you permission to do this right they're 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 not going to say that it's okay the reason that there's a financial opportunity now is because we exist in this black slash gray area where nobody really knows what's going on yet and we can get in there first um and it never came to fruition because i couldn't convince uh two of the closest people in my life at that time um to take the risk and do it anyway like be damned the rules this is a big time money making opportunity potentially right I, I don't see why it would have I, I don't see why it would have failed significantly um, again even now because with Hawaii it was basically arbitrage selling right that no no one can else can get it so we set the rates um, and then because we know how to get it you know because we were set up on you know some of the European exchanges or whatever uh, we could always resupply with the money that we got from selling you know what we had initially or however that works. So it was basically arbitrage opportunity because it couldn't be done like on the up and up in Hawaii for anybody. I go, this is this is the moment. And I couldn't convince them that that arbitrage opportunity was high enough of a value to take the risk 
uh, of worrying about whether or not this was uh, illegal money transmitting or illegal sales or whether what 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 regulations we were violating or what license we needed, you know, to put this uh, put this ATM looking thing anywhere. I even had a friend at the time who was willing to. He had a like a pawn shop in Waikiki. Uh, you know, for, for those listening, uh, hot tourist district, right? And he was like, you can put it in my shop, right? Like, all right. So I secured us a location, you know, I found out, you know, everything was lined up. I just needed, you know, backing and, and some support, uh, you know, with, with, again, two of the closest people in my life at the time to make it happen. And the guy who said to put it in the shop was like, yeah, just pay, you know, pay me a percentage of the crypto for the rent. I go fucking deal. You know, he was on board. Um, but yeah, so it, you know, it's one of those things where to get back to the initial thing, it's like I can do it, right? But I don't know if I'm having the impact that would make other people join me in that. And if no one's going to be following me, that's fine, right? But then I just have to pick and choose the things that I can do where it's just on me, right? I can I don't I don't worry about what other people are doing. I don't care what other people are doing. I just go ahead and do whatever I can again to live as freely as possible um, without worrying about the the ripples or the ramifications or whatever down the line. Will I will they follow me down the line? Maybe, uh, but that's not going to stop me from doing it now. Um, and the future benefit down the line uh, isn't a motivation for me to do it now. Like now is the motivation. I do it now because that's what a free person does. Ken MC. How did we get on this? <laughs> Good story, by the way. Uh, it was it was the motivation to do things uh, from a leadership role, right? Like civil disobedience is so that people will follow you maybe down the line. Um, and my story was saying that they might, um, but I've never had that experience of people following me later. So I don't worry about it. I do. I, I act free now, regardless of whether or not someone's going to follow me later. Sure. And right? I, I, I think that's... Uh, a good a good way to to live um i think there there are people who are natural leaders and and they want and, and they're just good at getting people to follow them and unfortunately those people usually get into politics yes um, and, or business but that's yeah uh well not not always uh sometimes or religion <laughs> There, there you go. Those are the big three. Continue. So, so yeah, and I, 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 I don't want to say that uh, there's one right way. There's probably lots of right ways to uh, spread the message and, and get people to follow you. And uh, yeah, so do it. I, I, I think everybody has to do what what they find that they're interested and good at. Absolutely, and hopefully it leads to more freedom and liberty overall. But even if it doesn't, if it leads to more freedom and liberty for you, definitely well worth it. Uh, if you're not sure. into the whole freedom and liberty thing, well then just, you know, leave me alone and we're good. You know, anything else? Do we have some interesting headlines? I do. Are you ready for them? I'm ready. Ken, we did not go over this pre-show. So are you ready, no. Ken? No. Oh yeah, my goodness. Sure. This is a, a grab bag. Headline. Struggling dad sent to prison for being unable to pay $1,900 and $41 bill, or excuse me, $1,941 bill to the government. Uh, headline, family facing $2,500 a day fine for firewood charity that delivers wood to the sick and elderly. 
uh, headline, more government spending won't make the economy grow. Uh, right up there, your alley there, Ken. Hmm. Uh, headline, what rights do we have when we're talking about our private online data? Uh, headline, all I want for Christmas is a forged passport. And finally, headline, Target employees won the fight for 15, but weren't ready for the trade-offs. So a little bit of what we discussed earlier. Uh, any place in particular you guys want to start this week? Well, I'm kind of fascinated by that lead story, the first one you said about this. Uh, Struggling Dad? Uh, yeah, yeah. All right. What, what's the story behind that? Struggling Dad sent to prison for being unable to pay a $1,941 bill to the government. In the land of the free... Those who can afford to pay the state exorbitant amounts of money for their criminal behavior almost always avoid spending any time in jail. If you doubt this claim, simply look at the megabanks caught laundering money for terrorists and drug dealers who never go to jail. Or look at the financial institutions who are constantly caught stealing from American citizens in fraudulent schemes and merely pay a fine to avoid any jail. Or... Look at the massive tech companies who get caught illegally exploiting millions of children, pay the state, and face no other consequences. If you are a common citizen who doesn't happen to have billions of dollars, however, you can and will be sent to jail for a very long time for being unable to pay the state. A father of two in Philadelphia is learning about this two-tiered system of justice in the land of the free the hard way this month after his inability to pay just $1,941 in court costs led to him being kidnapped and caged for years. To be clear, Maurice Hudson, 29, had already done his time for a burglary charge that happened over a decade ago. Despite being sentenced to two to four years behind bars in 2009, the state still wanted their cut. But Hudson, a struggling father and part-time janitor, didn't have the extra cash around to just give a high-paid judge. This made the judge in the case seemingly angry with Hudson, who then scolded the struggling father for being unable to pay this ridiculous court costs. Each time he has come back here with excuses, Judge Janice Brinkley said of Hudson. I'm struggling out there on the streets, Hudson, now 29, told her. As a Philadelphia Inquirer reports, Hudson has come home on probation, gotten married, and become a stay-at-home father of two young girls with special needs. He earns only $150 a week as a part-time janitor. I keep hearing it every time I come in front of you. I'm not trying. How is it I'm not trying? Brinkley, the judge, couldn't have cared less that this struggling father was raising two children with special needs and working a part-time job to do it. She wanted her $1,941, and because Hudson couldn't afford it, she would take it from him by kidnapping him and caging him for one and a half to three years in a state prison. Brinkley <laughs> went so f- At a cost of... Has to be like yeah, thirty thousand thousands of dollars, <laughs> right? 30, yeah, th- about thirty thousand a year at least, <laughs> just, just to get two grand from this poor guy. Brinkley went so far as to claim kidnapping and caging his father for being unable to pay uh, was absolutely necessary to vindicate the authority of the court. As the Inquirer reports, appeals courts have ruled people cannot be in, uh, cannot be incarcerated for non-payment without a determination that they are actually able to pay. Yet in Hudson's case, said Cheryl Brooks, a Philadelphia public defender, he was essentially jailed for his poverty. 
Uh, sadly, Hudson's case is anything but isolated. Uh, TFTP, that's the Free Thought Project, has reported on multiple instances of people who find themselves unable to pay their bills only to end up on the receiving end of the police state. Despite the fact that debtors' prisons are illegal in the United States, uh, TFTP has reported on numerous incidents like this one. It's not just court costs either. Unpaid college loans, medical bills, and parking tickets have also landed people in cages as well as visits from SWAT teams. Uh, as they previously reported in what could be a story straight out of the onion, but sadly played out for re- out in reality, a Texas man was arrested by seven heavily armed U.S. Marshals for failing to pay an almost 30-year-old student loan debt. Uh, the man, Paul Aker, 48, said he was caught off guard by the heavily armed agents that showed up at his home to arrest him for failing to pay the nearly three decades old debt. They grabbed me. They threw me down. Aker told the Daily News, local PD <laughs> is just standing there. A- Aker's arrest for a 30 year old $1,500 debt. Uh, was disturb wasn't disturbing enough, but taken in a concert with the fact that simply being an owner of a firearm or protected right under the U.S. Constitution was reason enough for agents to arrive in combat gear with fully automatic weapons raised the ominous specter of the police state rising. Uh, after being arrested, Aker was held at the federal building in downtown Houston before being brought to a courtroom where a prosecutor, judge, and county clerk were present, according to the NY Daily News. Aker said the alleged prosecutor was really a collection lawyer. Then I get a lecture from the judge about the United States and stealing from the government, Aker said. It is extremely worrisome that armed agents of the state are being used to bully people into paying delinquent student loan debts, medical bills, and court costs. There has to be more intelligent manner in which attempts to reconcile these debts than to kidnap and cage struggling dads for being unable to pay court fees. These examples and others like them speak to the nature of the state itself, that the default position is virtually always on a coercive force rather than to intellectually assess the means that will most likely provide the desired result, a reconciled debt. If you deprive someone of their freedom, they will never be able to pay their debt, and in fact, it will cost the taxpayers far more. The judge throwing Hudson in a cage for three years could end up costing taxpayers, here's a bigger number than what you guys said, (laughs) upwards of $180,000, and the judge thinks this vindicates the court. But then again, when the only tool you have is a hammer, everything begins to look like a nail, including struggling fathers unable to pay the court for the privilege of being thrown in a cage. Any more thoughts, Ken, on this? Like, what's the alternative? If they're going to be the authority, how do you keep the people in line? Well, it seems that the government has has, um, expanded its role into controlling every aspect of people's lives. And so, therefore, the only way for them to maintain this is, is through the force. And it's what I called in The Adventures of Jonathan Gullible, the escalating crime. Um, the government doesn't limit itself to just protecting people's rights. They expand it to control every aspect of people's lives. And any kind of resistance is viewed as a threat to the whole state. And so I call it an escalating crime because any kind of resistance brings on greater and greater power of the state to, to, um, to enforce its, uh, its rule. Now, ultimately, the death penalty. The death penalty is ultimately the is the ultimate penalty behind every action in law of the government. Now, you some... consider that you resist the government at any stage in its, uh, in its enforcement, well, they have the gun. Someone say that these laws and these restrictions on freedom are to protect others, 
right? Uh, for the elderly, for the, the enfeebled, for, you know, the, the children. Uh, so it's, it's their, their, their rationale is that, well, these laws might infringe on you, but it's to protect someone else, right? And if you, if you break this law, then you are a danger to someone else. And that's why the, the police state, the, you know, the, what do you call it? The infinite law or expanding crime, escalating crime, escalating crime continues is because they, there's more people to protect. Um, so how, what do you say to those people who say like, well, what about the, think about the children, think about the elderly. Uh, they're the ones that are being protected with these escalating crimes. Well, force is always easier than persuasion. That's why, uh, uh, some thug on the street will, choose to rape a woman rather than to just simply try to encourage her to go out with him. <laughs> Force is just easier for the thugs than persuasion. And uh, uh, so, uh, sadly, when you give the, the ultimate blunt weapon of force to uh, imbeciles, uh, that's all they know how to use. And they don't know how to use uh, uh, reason as their way of uh, convincing people of... Uh, of proper and excellent and reasonable behavior. And so you get a lot of society never accustomed to that. They grew up only knowing force. They don't know about uh, reason. So here's where we may disagree a little bit, Ken, because I'm going to, I'm going to mm-hmm. take you at your word there. Um, they don't, they don't know reason. Um, I'm not, I'm not a pacifist. I'm not even a nonviolent individual when it comes to this sort of thing. Right. So I've always taken the position. Well, if they don't, if they can't reason with you and force is all they understand, well then give them force, right? Should, should the resistance not be a violent resistance then when dealing with criminal thugs and, and the escalating uh, criminal state, which, how, how can we be expected to do things at the ballot box? I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with you. I'm saying that, that it's the state that should be using reason rather than force. Well, yeah, but they're clearly not going to. Well, they, that's because they've grown so accustomed to it over the centuries. It's just, uh, you know, empowering every uh, um, thug in their authority structure, the, the, the power. That's why they become arrogant, because they know that you don't have uh, uh, an ability to resist them. Well, I, th- I think you're right, that, that you have a right to do self-defense. And if uh, if the initiation of force against you is such that it threatens your life, you have a right to defend yourself. Um, when the Jews were being rounded up and sent off to concentration camps in Germany during World War II, um, yeah, you had a right to pull out a gun and try to defend yourself. It may have been it may have been uh, hopeless, but you still had the right, and you probably people felt the dignity of that. Well, if I'm going to go down, I'm going to going to go down fighting rather than just as a, as a, you know, sheep being led off to the slaughter. I think a big problem with that, uh, what maybe I need to flush this thought out a little bit more, but I've considered in the past, um, the, the imperative to live, uh, is greater than the imperative to be free in humans, right? Humans will tolerate a lot of injustice, a lot of demands on them a lot of you know criminal behavior enacted upon them by the state uh in order to remain alive because the again the risk of setting themselves free uh could result in death right and 
a lot of times when you're asking for, you know, the, the, the uh, violent overthrow of the government, there's an acknowledgement that not everyone is going to come out of this alive, right, for, for either side. Uh, and in doing so, you're, you're asking your fellow man to lay down his life potentially uh, in order to free everyone. Um, and, and when you look at other states like, you know, North, North Korea being the big, biggest example, uh, people are willing to tolerate a lot, you know, in order to just not die. Uh, so I think that makes the, the violent resistance route a little bit more difficult. Um, but I also think it just leads to uh, the erosion of freedom uh, over the course of, of human history, right? Like there, there's no going back from this without, you know, without getting a little dirty, you know, getting a little violent, getting a little, um, you know, giving them a little bit of that force back. Um, another aspect I want to touch on real quick before I lose my train of thought on this is, uh, do we have to consider personal responsibility at all, right? Like this judge is willing to throw away, you know, up to, uh, $180,000 of taxpayer funds, right? It's not her own money. That's going to be going towards this, uh, you know, to, to house this, this gentleman for one and a half to three years. You know, she doesn't have to pay for that, but for the, for the, to maintain the dignity of the court or uh, however she said it, um, she's willing to spend that much money to cover a $2,000 debt, right? Maybe if there was some personal responsibility where, yeah, you can, you can put them in jail, but you have to pay for it because n- no one in their right mind would vote to spend $180,000 to save two, to save two grand. Right. So maybe if that's your decision, you have to cover the cost. Uh, thoughts on that, Ken? MC? Oh yeah. This is uh, where the personal pride of the authority figure uh, trumps everything and I think of the Vietnam War, the, the personal pride of the of the guys who sent the troops into the war, even though time and again they recognized it was futile, they couldn't win, they were just throwing away lives and massive amounts of money, they still couldn't back down because their pride was at stake, they did, they were going to lose the next election if they admitted, uh, you know, I mean, the, that's, that's... Yeah, to say nothing for the lives the of the men in the, in, on the front lines. Yeah. And I think you're right that they, they should be held accountable, personally accountable, but that's uh, that's where history might judge them. But uh, the, the power structure is on their side. And I think the, what people are used to is what they'll accept. You know, that's why it's so important that people in Hong Kong are resisting the encroachments of Chinese power, uh, Chinese government's power, because they're saying, this is not what we're used to. You're trying to impose some new power uh, against us, people in North Korea are used to it so much that they they've lost the um, yeah uh, the, the 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 will to resist. But the people in Hong Kong haven't, and I think in America it'll come on creeping so slow that uh, uh, and it'll come on with some kinds of rationalizations when as as we lose liberties, and so maybe people will accept it. But fortunately, well, that's why they do it slowly. Are also here. fighting back. Yeah, yeah. They do it slowly here because you're right. You know, we 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 won't accept it if we're not used to it. Uh, but at the same time, at every at every encroachment, there's the the loud voice, the loud voice of of the liberty minority, who are like, "This is wrong. You shouldn't be able to do this." And then they do it every way, and there's protests, and there's there's uh, backlash, um, and then everyone just forgets about it, right? Like, yeah. you know, the, the uh, after 9-11, right, the, the TSA and all their, you know, setups and, and scanning and, you know, all that at the airport. 
and there was the you know fly no more campaign and look at all this look what these scanners are doing and everyone was up in arms and you don't hear any of that anymore right it's like well i got places to be i get on my flight yeah you know go ahead and radiate me um most people don't don't take the opportunity to opt out um you might wear a funny t-shirt right to you know for getting uh, molested by the tsa um but the backlash is gone, right? The acceptance is there. The people, and it's been in, in place for so long now um, that the vast majority, uh, maybe not the vast majority, but a, a lot of individuals don't remember the airport prior to TSA, right? Yeah. You yeah, have to go back right. a long way. You know, you, you can watch old movies of Hawaii, right? Where, the, oh, you get off the plane and you get laid by, you know, the, the local tourist board, right? Mm-hmm. Not anymore. Where'd that mm-hmm. go? Right? Does anybody care? <laughs> you know, you could see your fr- your friends and family off at the gate. Yeah, you just mosey on to the gate with them, and you say goodbye there. You know, where did that go? Now it's curbside drop off, and you know, hug quickly because you know that the 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 parking guard wants you gone to keep traffic flowing. Right? Nobody, no, not a lot of people remember that, uh, and the people who remember it are getting too old to fight, and the people young enough to fight don't care because this is already what they're used to, and that's just one example. Right? How many? How many other liberties were taken away? I don't think it's always slow and creeping in the U.S. either. I mean, they they made gold illegal at one point, and so you know things can happen, you know, pretty quickly, and people. Uh, well, yeah, and I'm sure not. there was backlash at the time. Mm, I don't know. Was there? <laughs> I wasn't there. There was, but there was uh, a massive uh, outpouring of of uh, panic by the general population. Oh, please rescue us! Uh, lead us out of the sea of darkness and into the light. And, uh, and you know, and and this new guy, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, had just been elected president under a promise to reduce government spending, uh, reduce taxes, reduce the debt. You know, all the things that he completely uh, swept away in in this in this uh, after he came into office. Um, and uh, but people were enthused. They would have. They would have probably gone along with anything that he said not everybody there were there were there was strong resistance but it was drowned out by the 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 mob uh the mob panic that's well, what you probably need to be worried about when there's a, a a time of tremendous uh uh economic upheaval that's why you know crisis equals opportunity they say but but who knows whether it's a positive opportunity or a negative opportunity both both are opportunities at that time well, we should be given the free choice to, to select those opportunities on our own without one or the other being forced upon us by the overreaching state. Sure. You know, one thing that always strikes me about how people remember so fondly about Franklin Delano Roosevelt as, a, as a, the one who rescued us through, this, uh, through the Great Depression, seldom is there ever really any acknowledgement of what were the policies that he implemented the one that constantly comes to my mind. One of the first actions he made was to destroy millions of acres of growing cotton, destroy millions of head of cattle, of uh, pigs, uh, destroy uh, millions of acres of, of wheat and corn, uh, uh, pouring gallons down of milk down the grain. All this is sort of whitewashed and well it was for the good of the farmers it raised the prices well they still use that excuse today oh yeah yeah and it's amazing that that people have accepted this well 
it must be for go- for the good because the government's doing it. It's always assumed that well, what the government is doing must be for the general good for something. Now, who knows why? It's the same way that they accept Trump's tariffs. We don't know why it's good. It's it raises costs on everybody, drives businesses out of the country, but it, he's got this big brain and it's it, he's a negotiator and his strategy down the road must be really good he's playing 4d chess yeah <laughs> that's right. right it might it might be bad for us now but just wait until we get to where we want to be then it's going to be you know uh you know all fruit and rainbows um some somewhere down in the future right just reelect them so we can find out what that future is if you don't reelect them yeah. well then all those policies go out the window and yeah we big loss so we got we got to keep them in office so we can so we can so we can see the end result of all these you know tariffs and efforts and and restrictions that are being placed uh, now the other thing i wanted to bring up again sorry ken um you you said about the destroying farmers foods to for for profits um the the uh, dissenting opinion uh, or the 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 other side of that that i hear from people who bring that up as a topic um is that's that's what capitalism does right because capitalism is always seeking out profits that they're willing to destroy goods that could be used you know for charitable givings or to feed the poor like there, there's plenty of food for everyone that you could just give it away but look what they're doing they're pouring the milk down the drains or they're burning the wheat and corn crops um what do you say to, to those people who blame uh, the, the capitalist system for that rather than the, the uh, government decisions that lead to that behavior? I'm not aware of, of the capitalist system throwing away food. They, they would gladly give it away in soup kitchens and whatever if the government regulations didn't mandate that they, they couldn't. You know, I mean, they have a lot of public relations to be gaining Companies, businesses, grocery stores—they uh, have enormous public, uh, uh, good, positive public relations to be gained by giving away stuff that they would otherwise be throwing away. But it's right, and- usually government rules and regulations. I mean, that I think your next story had something to do with somebody was trying to give away firewood. What, what uh, was that headline? Yep, we can do that real quick. We'll get into it. Uh, sure. Family facing $2,500 a day fine for firewood charity uh, that delivers wood to the sick and elderly. Give me a second here. In the land of the free, stacking firewood on your own property can and will lead you to the extortion by government bureaucrats. You can be fined exorbitant amounts of money for this firewood, even if you are collecting it to donate it to to elderly, sick, and struggling people to stay warm during the harsh winter. Uh, as again, this is also from the the Free Thought Project. As they reported, if you refuse to pay these fines, you can and will be kidnapped, or if you resist this kidnapping, you may even be killed. Shane McDaniel runs a charity on his own private property that collects downed trees from the local area and then cuts and splits it into firewood, which is then delivered to those in need by volunteers. McDaniel had been doing this for years and was even featured on a local show last year called Eric's Heroes, which earned him the nickname Robin Wood. <laughs> Clever. Uh, <laughs> McDaniel and his son do most of the work, and it takes them months of hard labor to get it all done. I couldn't even tell you how much, McDaniel said. I've gone through more chainsaw blades than I have in a lifetime, but it took about eight months of hard work, and it's about 40 cords that we did starting in March and finishing in September. 
amazingly enough, they don't even use a log splitter and do it all with just an X. Uh, it's anytime we get spare time, Harrison McDaniel, one of Shane's sons said. Uh, it could be we chop wood all week and take the weekend off or chop wood all weekend and take the week off, but it's been almost nonstop. McDaniel said they get a ton of offers for people to buy the wood, but he maintains that it is not for sale. I put a post out saying that we wanted to give the firewood away. Uh, Shane McDaniel said, we've had lots of offers to buy it, but there's no amount of money that would be worth swinging that axe 8,000, 8 million times. But donating it? That's totally different. Uh, last year, a Facebook post for the free wood went viral, and the emails began pouring in. Haley McDaniel, Shane's wife, who works with the family store, she said she gets chills from reading the messages coming in. There's a lot of sad stories, she said. People that are sick, elderly, that have no other options. Shane said, when I read these stories, it brings tears. It brings me to tears. But this valiant effort is now under threat, thanks to the local bureaucracy. This month, McDaniel received a notice from the city threatening to fine him $35,000 every two weeks, which works out to $2,500 every single day for the pile of firewood outside of his home. I just couldn't believe it, McDaniel said. It's just a bully mentality of the local government here. Naturally, the local off officials are claiming they must find this charitable venture, $35,000 every two weeks, to protect the community. Uh, Lake Stevens Mayor John Spencer said that the wood stacked on McDaniel's private property is a fire hazard. By that logic, <laughs> it seems that the mayor believes that if McDonald's simply pay $2,500 per day to the city, this will magically make the wood pile safe. Uh, we have a wood <laughs> we have a wood pile that represents a public risk. Spencer said we have talked to him many of times, saying you need to move that pile. But at this point, he's basically told us to blow off. Uh, according to McDaniel, the city has had a vendetta against him for years because he called out City Hall on a reader board at his store, claiming the city was misusing a building. In his best professional response, Mayor Spencer called this allegation bullshit. That's bullshit, Spencer said. There's no vendetta. What's the vendetta? He's a good guy. We worked with him, and I don't know what he's talking about. The good news is that the cold season is here, and most of the wood will start leaving McDaniel's property in the next few weeks on its way to those in need. McDaniel said of the wood will be delivered by most of the wood will be delivered by Christmas in a likely attempt to avoid public relations nightmare by finding a charity for delivering firewood. The city claims that if this happens, they will not fine him. <laughs> uh, if you think McDaniel's story is an isolated think again as they reported last year citizens of Doraville, Georgia were forced to fight back against their city after they faced fines for improperly stacked firewood uh, the city has been named as a defendant in a lawsuit from residents who claim they have not received they have received tickets and have even been threatened with arrest and sentenced to court ordered probation for the crime of having a cracked driveway chipped paint on their house and overgrown vegetation or improperly stacked firewood in their yard uh, so there you go, Ken. A a, a charitable, uh, a charitable giving drive. Uh, just a family doing good for their local community, uh, and the state wants a large cut um, for 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 safety, right? To pr protect the community as a whole. Thank goodness for the exposure and the public reaction against the the authorities, because it it rescued them. It makes you wonder how many times. Things like this happen, and there wasn't the publicity, it wasn't the exposure that that brought the ba the, the backlash, and uh, yeah, that that's all too often the case. So that's that's the uh, reply to those people who say that capitalism destroys. Uh, they don't they don't make they don't make money off of destroying. They make money off of producing, and um, and even good public relations. Politicians don't need good public relations. 
Well, and they, they, they may say that this isn't capitalism because these guys make no money at all. This is all work and all charity and nothing, nothing in return, basically. Just the, the, oh. the benefit of doing good for your, your fellow human being. Any voluntary action in the marketplace is capitalism as in its true form. And I'm not trying to mix it with uh, crony capitalism, which is always seeking favors from government. But no, just because you produce wealth doesn't mean you have to sell it for a profit. There are other kinds of profit other than money, one of which yep. is just the good feeling you get by uh, generous behavior. And Absolutely. it's not only good good public relations, but that's also what people what drives people in life. Absolutely. Any thoughts, MC? No, are we uh, out of time? We can be. Uh, final thoughts uh, from you or Ken? Oh, I I couldn't help but comment just briefly about this uh, the comment that uh, that government spending is going to stimulate the economy. That was one of your headlines. Well. Government doesn't spend anything that it hasn't first taken from somewhere else. So what it spends, or otherwise known as there ain't no such thing as a free lunch, uh, whatever it spends, maybe malinvestment, awful investment, unproductive investment, and they have to take it away from productive sectors of the economy to do it first. So there's there's nothing stimulating about uh, uh, that except the uh, great growing power of politics and the bureaucracy. All right. Uh, make a note for next time, Ken, because I'd like to know your thoughts then uh, on whether or not government investment can be profitable at in, in any situation or circumstance. But not for this show. Teasing for next time uh, after the wife goes on vacation again, or not vacation, but goes on another <laughs> knows another speaking tour and trip. Uh, that'll do it for us. You guys know where to find us. Uh, anarchistexperience.com, minds.com slash the anarchist experience. And if you'd like to contribute to the show financially, you may do so through Patreon, patreon.com slash the anarchist experience. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll talk to you all next week. Peace. Aloha.